Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Screw the Stigma. My name is Afra and thank you so much for tuning in this week. Today's episode is with Rhonda Taylor. She made a drastic move in her life when she was 53. She packed her bags and she decided to travel and volunteer at the same time. She's doing amazing work and making not only making tough decisions in her life, but also inspiring other women and helping them and guiding them to also make decisions in her life so that they can live a fulfilled life. And this episode has definitely taught me that no matter how old you are, or what other external factors stop you, there is nothing more fulfilling than truly making your own decisions and living the life that you want. With Screw the Stigma Instagram page, I am creating more interesting content. So please go and follow me there and let's connect. And I would love to hear your feedback on the episodes and what else you would like to see. Thank you so much for coming back in every week. And I'm really happy and grateful for your support. And now I'm going to cut to the episode now. Hello everyone, I have Rhonda Taylor with me today. Hey Rhonda, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. How has your 2021 been? My 2021 has been interesting. Um, I have relocated to um, Mexico and so I'm starting, I'm kind of starting in, an, in a new space, in a new mindset, in a, in a new um, um you know, just a different, a different place. Like after the pandemic, it really kind of turned my world upside down as it did everyone else, you know? So I had to think outside of the box in order to uh, keep moving in a, in a positive forward facing direction. So, but it's all good. That's really amazing. And you're doing a lot of amazing things for women and helping them out. Um, and before we get into all of that, for the listeners, can you just share a little bit about your background, where you're from, and what you do? Yeah, sure. I am originally from Colorado, and I have um, I have been traveling since 2016. Well, I'll, I'll, before that, I'm a mother and a grandmother. And I, uh, so after, after Colorado, we moved to Las Vegas for a little while, the last 10 years, or I, I should say in 2008. And so I had been living in Las Vegas and I ended up, um, leaving a marriage and selling everything I owned and basically buying a backpack and kind of hitting the reset button and I hit, I bought a one-way ticket to Central America and started traveling. It, it just started out to be, you know, like a three month ordeal and five years later, here I am still traveling. So it just turned into a lifestyle that I loved. You, you made a major move at, at the age of 53. And that's incredible. You packed up your bags and you left and you started traveling at 53. And a lot of people would be like, how would you, you know, think about moving and traveling at the age of 53? Because usually people, it's the age to settle down and, you know, they relax. They either probably, you know, buy a, buy a house, stay at home, take care of the kids. It's sort of grandkids and 
Now that's sort of the lifestyle that people start to lead. But you ended up making a major drastic move at 53. How did that, what pushed you to make that change? And how is that? Did you have any fears? Well, that's interesting because, you know, I've always wanted to travel. Like I've had a lifelong dream of traveling. And, and so that was really the first opportunity that I had to do that. But I, you know, I, I just found that a new chapter needed to be started. And yes, it happened at midlife. And so I just kind of went with it. So like it, the original idea was, because it was something that I had been planning for quite some time, is I was going to, so I'm, I'm passionate about volunteering as well as travel and nature photography. And so I just wanted to combine all of those things. And I was inspired by a couple of different things actually, like years and years prior to that. And one was the movie Eat, Pray, Love. I, I, I'm sure everyone's heard of that. And so I saw that movie and it really kind of changed my life. And, and at the time, um, you know, I mean, I was still married, but, but the seed had just kind of been planted, but there was another seed that was planted even before that. And, um, that had to do with an author I was designing a book for, and it was called volunteer. Um, mapping your volunteer vacation and like that opened up my my whole new world I didn't know this this woman took an entire year off and just volunteered around the world and I thought wow how cool would that be to to do that and I didn't have a, a goal to like do it for an entire year but I thought how cool is that that she could travel and volunteer around the world. And so I was really inspired by that. And it just kind of stayed in, you know, in the back of my mind. So as far as fears go, I, I really, I don't know that I, I had the fears that would be expected. So, and what I mean by that is um, like my fears were like, you know, once I decided to sell everything, my fears were about letting go of my, you know, my stuff and what was my family going to think and my friends going to think about this decision of, you know, starting life over and, and leaving a marriage. And so those were my fears. <laughs> my fears were not, I've never been out of the country before. What am I going to do? I don't speak any Spanish. How is that going to be? Like, I wasn't afraid of any of those things, but I think it's because it was like an exciting adventure for me. So it was something I was looking forward to. And I really, I've always been kind of a, taking that leap of faith and jumping in with both feet first and then kind of figuring things out. So, it, you know, kind of backwards. So there were no fears about, about leaving the country, but I had more fears about what were people going to think and, um, you know, and, and getting rid of all my things. 
because that that was a very emotional process. Get it, yeah, like you mentioned, getting rid rid of your things cannot be easy. How did you end up figuring out what was important to you and what you to get rid of? Well, I got rid of ninety percent of everything I own, and the process was not easy. Um, you know, letting go of things like furniture and you know, dishes and things like that was one thing, but, but to get rid of the dining room table where family gatherings took place and holidays were celebrated, you know, with family and, you know, Friday night entertainment with friends around the table. So it's, it was things like that, that were very sentimental. And so it did kind of affect me emotionally, but at the same time, it also allowed me to have new beginnings. So as I, you know, like, like picture frames that had family photos in them. And so, you know, I sold the frames, but obviously I kept the photos. So really the, out of everything, um, I have a little five by five storage unit in Las Vegas. And it really has like all of my family heirlooms and mementos and things like that, uh, photographs and things that, you know, I, I wasn't ready to like distribute among, uh, um, amongst my kids yet, you know, so, but everything I own now, um, like, you know, my, my house was 2,500 square feet. And I had, I pared that down to a little five by five storage unit. So it was, um, it was an experience. It, it, it wasn't easy, um, but it happened smoothly, I might add. Oh, that's great because, you know, we, we often tend to hold on to a lot of things, even mainly for memories or things that we think that we need, but we don't. So um, the fact that you were able to get rid of so many things, at especially at, you know, such an age, it's it's quite admirable because we are, everybody goes towards safety, what feels safe, and not only what feels safe, but mo mostly towards their comfort zone. And younger people right. tend to you know, go out of, try to go out of the comfort zone because it's still, they do have like the thing of, you know, I, whatever, you know, even if I lose something, it's fine. But, you know, at the age of 53, it might, must have been a really hard move to make. And especially saying this to your friends and family, I cannot even imagine it must have been, it might have been really difficult to say this. It's such a huge decision to leave especially, you know, your friends and family, well, they yes. expect you to be around all the time during that age. So how did you, how did your friends and family take the news? And did you receive any form of, you know, resistance towards that? Um, I, I received lots of resistance. And I would say people who were not like in my close inner circle they were shocked, but people who knew me very well um, probably weren't so surprised because they knew that, you know, that there were some things shifting in my life, in my marriage, 
and there were a lot of changes taking place. And so it wasn't a total surprise. However, there was a lot of resistance with family. There was some resistance with friends. For the most part, I really had some great support. And even my kids initially said, hey, if this is what you want to do, then go do it. Like live your life, enjoy it, and, and we support you and we're proud of you. Now, mind you, this was a plan that was only supposed to last three months. So for the, maj the majority of everyone, they were, they were pretty supportive. Um, a, a, around, around the decision of my divorce, it was difficult, especially for the kids. And we didn't have kids together. However, you know, being together for 25 years, he brought kids to the marriage. I had my three kids. And so, you know, we created a family and that was difficult. But one of the best things that we ever could have done is we, we actually parted amicably. So we're still very good friends. We stay in touch um, and it makes family get togethers so much better. It makes holidays really nice where we can all just sit in the same room and, you know, and we stay in touch and we text each other and we support each other when, you know, issues might come up with the kids, even though they're all adults, it's, it's, it's very different than, than a divorce that would have, you know, feelings of revenge or anger and frustration. Like we didn't have any of that. And it almost made it harder to leave someone that you still love, but know that, or, you know, maybe recognize or acknowledge that it just wasn't working anymore. Like we had just grown so, uh, we had grown apart and our goals were no longer the same. Like they were just on opposite ends of the spectrum. And so we just recognized that and, you know, decided to, you know, end, end, end the marriage. So that was difficult. Um, however, you know, this started as a three month journey and so everybody was on board, but three months turned into six, six months turned into nine and you know, and here I am now entering year five and I'm still traveling. And now I'm a full-blown global nomad and I'm still working remotely. And now my kids are like, hey, wait a minute, what's, what's happening here? So my, my son still supports me 100%. And my daughters, I think... I think they're ready for my travels to be over. So just as you mentioned before, you know, with the stigma of you're a mom, you're a grandmother, you're supposed to be home now, you're supposed to be in a rocking chair and waiting for the family to show up and, and spend time with the grandkids. And, and I'm just not built like that. And I'm not grandma, I'm Gma. <laughs> and, 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 and so, so, I, 
you know, it, it is unconventional in that way, but I also find other ways to stay in touch with everyone. You know, I mean, we live in a, in a time now where video and texting and phone, and I mean, there are so many options um, to stay in touch. And even when I did live in Las Vegas, like none of my kids lived there. So I was still communicating with my kids and grandkids through FaceTime and, you know, texting and phone calls. So none of that was different. It's not like anybody was living in the same city. So, so it really wasn't that different for me, but for my kids, it just seemed to be more of a challenge. And I think for my daughters, it's, it's different. Like they just don't understand my desire to travel because they don't really have that for themselves. And my son is opposite. You know, he's just like, mom, I just want to live vicariously through you. I want to hear everything and I want to see everything. And, and so, um, so it's a little different and, you know, and even my grandkids, um, I've got a great relationship with them too. So it's, it's just that family connection still is very important to me. That's really amazing because I can't, like you mentioned, technology is insane. You can always be connected at any place, any time, and you know, everything is possible. And what, like, you know, what you're doing right now is right? really admirable because the society has this misconception that we can only do certain things at certain ages and you know times of our lives and we have to get things done by a certain age otherwise we're not successful quote unquote um which i don't really believe it because i feel like everybody i genuinely believe that everybody has a different journey that we all go through and it's not ideal in terms of society's eyes but that shouldn't really define who we are or stop us from making the moves and decisions that makes us happy and not only that you do that but you also help other women do that and I would like to hear some stories and how you inspire these women and help them achieve and do what they would what they want to do at any periods of life so how how what kind of people do you coach and help and how do they how do you help them so what i what i have learned through my years of travel and it really my my journey really is 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 still evolving in many aspects because i too am still learning about living this nomadic life and it took me a long time to to feel like i knew enough and, 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 and so <laughs> it's funny because, you know, my friends are like, well, exactly how long do you think you have to travel solo and, and travel through all these countries, you know, before you think you know enough and, and, you know, they're right. And I think so, so my focus has turned to wanting to inspire and empower other women who are also going through midlife transitions because I get a lot of women who private message me, you know, when I'm, cause I, you know, like on my Instagram and my Facebook, I have a Facebook group where people follow and, 
and Instagram as well. And so I post a lot of photos and, and stories of my travels and adventures because there are some crazy things that have happened to me. And they're not comfortable enough to like pose the question in public. And so they, they come to me through private messages and say, how are you doing this? And, and they're, off, they're often going through similar situations. You know, they, they might be going through a divorce or um, they might already be divorced and now they're empty nesters. But something about their life is, is changing and, and, you know, and they're transitioning into another, another chapter could be personal, could be professional. Um, because what I enjoy doing is teaching women how to work remotely, you know? So for me, and, and it, it was also an evolving process. Now I've always, not always, but since 2003, I've had a remote business even though I worked in my home office, you know, I didn't connect the dots that I could do this anywhere in the world. You know, I've always had, had you know, since 2003, I've had a laptop and I've always worked um, in coffee shops and cafes and things like that. But it wasn't until much later where I was like, wait a minute, why am I limiting myself? I can be doing this around the world. And so, uh, you know, I, th I think it's just, it, that's part of, of getting outside of your comfort zone and thinking outside of the box. And certainly there was a process of, of me needing to face fears as well. And I've done a lot of personal development work. And, and, and so I feel like the transition was natural as much as gradual for me. But what I really love doing is just meeting women I, I really want to be about, or for me, it's about connection and collaboration and building a community of like-minded women because we're all in this together and we're not meant to do it alone. And so I really, you know, right now it's just kind of one-on-one. -on -one. Eventually, when the pandemic kind of starts to settle, um, the goal is to be hosting workshops and international co-working retreats where I'm teaching women, you know, I want to bring them with me wherever I am in the world. You know, I want to go to Colombia and Peru and Italy and Spain. And, and I, I want women to come with me who have the desire to travel and, and also have the ability to work remotely, whether they're working as a professional for a company or whether they're an entrepreneur, you know, but, but they, but they know that there's more for them out there. And, and, you know, if they're willing to step outside of that comfort zone and face some fears and, and really want to learn more about what they're capable of, then I want to be that person who can help them help, help show them what's possible because they're, there isn't anything special or extraordinary about me other than maybe the way I started life over. Now, no one has to do it as drastic <laughs> as I did, um, you know, because I admit that the way I did it was very drastic. But 
I, I just want them to know that anything is possible. And certainly if I can do this, anyone can do this. So that's, uh, I, I'm really hoping that, you know, as, as things kind of start to slow down, I'm hoping with the pandemic that we have the freedom to travel again and, you know, where people are comfortable about traveling and wanting to explore this world. And I feel like, you know, people are probably more eager to do that now than they may have been before because we've all been, we've all been cooped up, you know, we're all home and we're all feeling stuck and we're all, you know, we're in these, some are, are in countries that are, you know, in, in lockdowns more than what we are in the U.S., you know, and now I'm living in Mexico. So, and, and we do have more freedom here, but the numbers aren't as high as, as they are in other parts of the country. So, uh, you know, I feel very safe here, but until other people feel safe to travel, you know, I, I'm just going to continue to, to keep working on my plan of creating that space for, for women to find their new, their new level of comfort. Uh, that's incredible because, you know, it takes a lot to help people. And I would say that you're doing that really well and you've made a huge move and I would say that sometimes making, I'm not going to recommend this, but sometimes making some decisions and going along with it, even though it doesn't seem perfectly planned at that time, it tends to work out. I'm not going to recommend it, but a lot of things that I've done and I know a lot of things that other people have done have worked out when they wanted to do what they want to do. I feel like once we make the decisions that we want and we truly believe that this is what we want and we go along with it. That's when things work out because that's, you know, that's what you actually want to do. And, you know, I, I, I truly believe in living life that makes us happy. And unless we're not hurting anyone in the process, um, in terms of causing harm, I think nothing should stop us from living our own individual lives that makes us happy. And, it takes a lot. There are a lot of factors to consider because, you know, we're human and there's a lot of things that stop us. Either it's financial or it's family, friends, the culture that we're brought up in. A lot of things tend to prevent us from moving forward and really making the move that makes us happy. And unfortunately, a lot of women don't even get to do the things that they want to do because societal pressure of you have to be a good mother and you have to be a good wife and you can't start doing the things that you want to do because you have so many responsibilities that you need to take care of. But, you know, you made this move F53 once your kids grew up and, you know, your responsibility is sort of reduced. But there's so many women out there who do want to make the move but you know there's so many people coming in and saying hey you can do this you can do that even at your age once you've done the job you still get that you know that you have to be a good grandmother you have right. to why are you traveling come right. back home although you know i feel like it making that move it's hard enough but when you're getting that resistance it kind of makes it even more harder and 
doubt yourself if you are making that right decision. You know, um, you're right about all of that. And it's not an easy life. And it certainly wasn't an easy decision. And it has definitely come with a lot of sacrifice. Um, I have sacrificed, um, you know, connections with family and friends who I thought would support me no matter what. And that isn't the case. And so that, you know, there has been a lot of loss. And with that comes mourning, you know, the mourning, the loss of, of connections with family and support of family. And so there have been high prices I've paid. And one, one of the things that I will say that has been a challenge for me and sometimes continues to be is, you know, I still care about what people think. And I'm getting better at moving past that. And I have to get better at that in order for me to still honor me and honor my own happiness because I'm the only one that can make that decision for myself. And so that has been a difficult piece is knowing that I'm moving forward, knowing that I'm finding happiness, but there's a little bit of sadness there that knows that not everyone who I'm very close to or, or was very close to, um, you know, no longer support that decision I'm making. And, and, and so it's about getting stronger and being okay with, with going against the grain. And it, it has, it has made me stronger for sure. And I would say that sometimes it's very difficult to leave the people that you thought that once would support you, but I truly believe that if they really do care about you and if they really do love you, they will support you no matter what you want to do unless you're not causing any harm to yourself or others. I think that's one of the things that we sometimes, it's difficult to let go of the people that we love because we do want the best for them. But at certain points in their life, the best for them is what they would like to do. And even though it's difficult to let them go. And I think that's the case in most of the situations. It's really difficult to let the people that you love go and make drastic decisions with their life and move on with their life and leave the comfort that you had before with them. But I believe that, you know, supporting a major decision, it takes a lot to get to that decision that, hey, I want to do this with my life. I feel like a lot of thinking and planning or even a dilemma goes behind the whole process of finally coming out and saying, hey, this is what I want to do. So support is something that is a huge relief. I, I feel like getting support from your friends and family, but that that shouldn't really stop you from doing the things that you want to do. And you said that you ended, you said you ended um, right. a 20 year plus marriage and that must have been really difficult for you. And I want to go back to that and s just mm -hmm. to go back and sing. Because there is there is a little bit of a misconception that marriage is forever. And once you find someone, you have to 
that's the only person that you have to be with and you you die with them basically that's the that's the misconception that a lot of people have but i believe that nothing sort of lasts forever but once people grow it is okay to grow apart and to make decisions to move away and separate and all of that but i would like to hear from you what that process was like to help women who are in that situation right now or it might be in the future do you believe that marriage should be seen as something that should last forever or rather something that is more like in the time sort of thing right i well i feel like i mean for me personally like i was brought up that um marriage is supposed to last forever however my own parents were divorced so i didn't grow up with you know mom and dad you know my parents divorced when i was 12 11 or 12 and so my mom didn't remarry and my dad did several times so i didn't have that stable relationship to live with you know to to look up to now i have friends and a lot of actually a lot of oh, i'm thinking um actually all of my close family members the majority of my close family members or i should say immediate family members they're all still married so uh to their original spouse so my mom and dad kind of went against the grain and got divorced and 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 so not that that's why i did but i i feel like my belief is is that you love someone and you agree to be with them until you decide it's not working anymore and yes i know you take vow you know you make vows and and all of that but i feel like if it's not working anymore and you've done everything you possibly can to try and make it work and it still isn't working then then you know then you have a decision to make and i will tell you that you know in the 20 plus years we were together our marriage did not work uh for many different reasons and it certainly wasn't for a lack of trying you know because we did love each other and we were trying to find ways to make it work but there were a couple of topics that we just could never agree on and and you know we we went to counseling and we did personal development and we did marriage counseling we did all of those things because we did want to find solutions but at the end of the day there were some things that we just felt very very strongly about that we couldn't come to an agreement with or an agreement on and so it was just kind of one of those situations where you where we couldn't just agree to disagree like it it divided us that much and so you know we just we both wanted to be happy we we loved each other but we just weren't happy 
And in spite of trying to find that happiness, we couldn't. And so recognized that it was just time to go our separate ways. It was a mutual decision. I don't feel like it was one over the other. And, um, and it was a very, very difficult decision because there wasn't that anger and animosity and um, it, 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 it almost made it harder to, to go through with it. However, we respected one another enough to, to recognize that we each deserve to be happy. And so that's really, that was really the main goal. And, you know, like I said, because we parted amicably, it doesn't mean we agreed on everything when we actually went through the divorce. Like there were some things that, you know, we kind of went back and forth on, but ultimately it was more important for us to try and keep the peace for the family, you know? So, um, and, and we, we still had respect for each other. And, and I think that that is really what got us through because we're, we're, we're still connected and, and good friends now. And it's been, you know, four, four years. I, I mean, that, that's really, that's awesome because it takes a lot to stay respect, to respect the other person, even through the process of divorce. I think that usually people end up being bitter, resentful, and that whole process becomes even more painful than it has to be. And in some situations, I think it's okay in terms of if anyone hurt the other person really badly, and that's understandable, but it takes a lot to stay respectful to the other person, and I'm, I'm glad that you had that process a little bit easier for you, a little bit easier so that you don't have to go through that sort of painful process. Right. You gave... I, I was able to see your your TEDx speech and it was really great. You talked about a lot Thank of you. things that you mentioned that you didn't even tell your family about. About the stories about your childhood abuse and your domestic abuse. And it takes a lot to come out and speak about it to the world and say that hey this is my story but it doesn't define me and i found it incredibly powerful and i want to know more about that how the process was sharing that story and how did your friends and family react when they heard these stories oh yeah um that um that was quite an experience because when I had the opportunity to submit an idea uh, to, to be a TEDx speaker, I was living in Las Vegas at the time, and the abuse that I had survived throughout my life had always been something that I just kind of kept inside. And like, I could feel it kind of just start bubbling up to the surface and it was really starting to affect other areas of my life. 
um, because I had been doing so much personal development work. And so when I, when, when they were calling for submissions, I decided to pitch that idea, um, of living life, um, like under the radar or kind of hiding my past because, because those violent episodes, you know, they started with the physical abuse from my dad. And then that kind of segued into violent abusive relationships as an adult. And, and, and so these things also happened when I was younger, like I was in my twenties when, when the worst of it happened and I didn't realize how much it was still affecting me in my later years. And so, so I did decide to share my story and it was, it was difficult. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But one of, one of the things that made it easier is, you know, I had forgiven my father years ago for all of the things that had, had transpired between, you know, with our, with our relationship. And, and, and so because of that forgiveness work that I had done, it did make it easier for me to, to, to come forward because that bitterness wasn't there anymore. The anger wasn't there anymore. It doesn't mean that I, you know, put it on a shelf and forgot about it. Um, because, you know, those experiences often shape your future. And it was, it was kind of defining life choices for me until I learned how to shift that. But now that I, you know, at, at the time, you know, I was an, I was a successful businesswoman and I was a, I was a book publisher. And, and so that fear was, what are people going to think about me if I share these truths about these decisions that I make, you know, these made like, you know, um, I was letting, I was, I was basically outing myself for the first time. Yes, I suffered child abuse and my family didn't know. And yes, I was in very abusive relationships. Um, as an adult, people didn't know. And yes, I was a closet drug addict so that I could avoid the pain and suffering. And so I was living, I was living this double life and I, I was just ready to come clean with all of that. So I, I was selected uh, to speak on the stage and share my story. And so after I did it that day, I went home and I called all of my family members um, on both my dad's side and my mom's side. And I told them what I had just done. I told them what I had experienced as a child. And, and I shared all of those things with them. And I, t I wanted to tell them firsthand because, <laughs> well, because it was going to be public, you know, in like another month, 
the world was going to have access to this information. And so I felt like I deserve, they deserved to know from me instead of, you know, me sending a link saying, Hey world, this is, this is my, this was my life. Um, so I, I had very, very emotional conversations with my family members, especially on my dad's side. They were shocked. They were hurt. They were saddened. Um, and mostly from a standpoint, because my dad was kind of estranged from his siblings. And so they came from the angle of if we had stayed connected, you know, maybe you would have felt safe enough to come to me. You know, if we had stayed in touch more and, and, and maybe you would have felt like you had a safe place to share this as a child. And, and so it was very emotional for everyone, but I, I felt like they deserved to know that firsthand. So I, I felt really good about my decision. And then of course, you know, when, when the video was available for viewing, then I sent them all the leak, the link. And, you know, we, we talked about it again. So there was no negativity. There was just a lot of sadness and remorse that they just didn't know. And so it was difficult, but I'm, it's, it was probably one of the more difficult things I've ever done, but it was also something I'm, I'm very proud of because it, it, it did change the trajectory of how I viewed life moving forward. Cannot imagine it'd be any easier to come out to your family and to talk about all of those things that you repressed in the past. And it's really hard to talk about those topics with family in general, but the fact that you held it in for so many years and you finally had the chance to let it out, it must have been a lot of emotions and pain and I can't even, you know, but I'm glad that that you were able to finally set this out and get free of it. And, you know, often women are told to hold in, you know, not share their stories about abuse. But I really believe that sharing those stories, even though they're incredibly difficult, it will help and inspire other women to get out of those situations and to find a better life for themselves and understand the self-worth and self-value that they have. Because I believe that every woman has that. It's just every woman, every man, any any human being has that. But it's just the fact of environment and situations in life must have pushed them into that situation. And although I don't want to go into too deep about all the views that you went through, I do want to know the line of what made you get into that relationship when you were in when you were in your twenties, and what was your final straw of getting out of it? Um, so I was a single mom of two babies at the time, and I I, I was a young mother to begin with. I I got married the first time when I was 18. I was a mom at 19 and then a mom again at 21. And then I was a single mom at 21 of two babies essentially. And so it was a, 
difficult time anyway, but like my, my self-esteem was very low and I was attracted to the men who were abusive. And, and so as I, as I, as I went through these relationships, the final straw with the one that, that became very violent was, well, the final straw was the, the last time I was violently abused because, uh, you know, I was essentially held captive for 24 hours in my own home, um, you know, while he held me captive and abused me and it was a horrendous experience and coming out on the other side of that that's when I realized that that can never happen again I didn't want that for myself I certainly didn't want it for my children and and things really had to change but really what made it change is knowing that my life was on the line because he did try to kill me. And I, I, I was fighting, literally fighting to save my own life during that, that evening or that, you know, that whole 24 hour episode. And it, it was at that moment when I realized that this could, this could not be my life anymore. It, it was incredibly terrifying. So that, that was, yeah. I wanted to say that um, listening to your story, I can't, I felt like I was in that moment because you described it so well. And I can't even imagine the fear that you had and the amount of courage that you had to break through that situation and get out of there because it was, the, the situation that you described seemed horrendous it was incredibly dangerous and the way that he treated you is not even the fact that it's it's unacceptable but it's the fact that any human being would it's 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 really surprising to know that when you meet someone they are someone and then eventually they could even get to that point which sort of really emphasizes the fact that you really have to take your time and understand the people that you meet and it's also the fact of the you know you you set that point of this is I, i'm getting out and you valued your life and you that is incredible because you know it takes it's a fact of fear that doesn't you know might have stopped you but i'm glad that you didn't and everything worked out for you because it, it's 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 so crazy how there are a lot of people who get into these situations and that's what I want to talk about. If one of the th things that I've heard that keeps women in women and men and anyone in domestic abusive relationships, very abusive relationships in general, whether it's verbal or physical, is the fact of fear of what might happen when I leave. And did you have that fear? And how was that for you? 
Um, I didn't necessarily have that level of fear. Our, our problem or the challenges with this particular man is he had a serious alcohol and drug problem. And so when alcohol and drugs played a part, then he, like it was like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of scenario, you know, where he just turned into this different person and he was very unpredictable. And, and so I, I had not experienced that level of abuse from him. I had experienced abuse in other ways. Um, but that particular evening was the worst of it. And, and not, not, not that any of it was acceptable prior to that, but certainly that, that last episode was a huge wake up call for me. So, you know, I knew right then and there that I was worth more. I had to be worth more. Like my life, because my life was on the line, it needed to be like everything had to change for me. So it was not a, it was not a situation where a second chance was even considered, even though he begged and pleaded. Um, it was not even a consideration for me. And that was something new for me because I, I, I would always give second chances and third chances and, you know, and, and so on. But at that moment, that, that was, that was the breaking point for me. So, um, I, you know, I think it, it was more about, um, you know, I finally reached a point when I valued and loved myself more than I didn't or maybe more than I hadn't before. So it's, it's hard to, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert in this area. I just know about my own experience and I actually am an advocate now for women who are survivors of domestic violence and rape. And so I think the angle that I can come from is that I know because I experienced it and that's, you know, there's, there's a, a level of relatability, which brings that empathy and compassion for anyone going through it. Because I know that there are others who have suffered far more than I have and, and can't find a way out. And I wish for them that they reach the level of courage or you know, strength to, to be able to say no once and for all. Oh, and what is it like being an advocate for domestic abuse and rape? What kind of women do you meet and how do you help them to deal with such trauma? Because I cannot even imagine of how affected they've been. Does that ever trigger you being in a situation to remember the past? Um, I'm, I'm involved more with an organization that's online. Um, so I'm, I'm not personally one-on-one -on -one involved as much anymore, but when I lived in Las Vegas, I was hosting or I was uh, conducting workshops for, 
for women who were victims of domestic violence and rape. And it was the workshops that I uh, was doing were, it was more about learning how to shift from that victim mentality and, and choosing responsible to ultimately make a better life for yourself. And I was doing the same thing with homeless teens in Las Vegas as well um, through a similar program because, you know, they often have that, that, that victim mentality, you know, that things are happening to them and, and not necessarily seeing where they can make a different choice. So as far as the women were concerned, you know, I was just, um, it was like a two day workshop where I was offering different exercises where they could see, you know, where, where they were living with a victim mentality versus how they could choose, how they could make a responsible choice. And that ultimately gave them their power back, you know, that empowered them to make a different choice. So, um, and I still in, 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 in enjoy being involved in that process now because it, it, it's, it's powerful when you can take that, take your life back in that way. It must've been really, difficult, like you mentioned, to get out of the situation. And you mentioned about getting out of that victim mentality. And a lot of people, not only who've been through abuse, go through that victim mentality, but I feel like a lot of people in general tend to have that mentality, whether it's in life or with their career or with just having a mindset of this is just how things are. And a lot of things I don't have, so this is how I'm going to, you know, right. I can't really do the things that I want to do because I don't have X, Y, Z, and this is why, you know, I can't really change that. So for those people, and I've definitely been in that mindset because, you know, it's natural. It, I feel like it's sort of very human to be in that mentality, but how can we get out of that mentality? Well... What worked for me is, you know, like, like I had mentioned before, I had done a lot of personal development work, which kind of involved taking personal responsibility. So, you know, it's, it's so important to, when, when you're finally able to recognize what role you play in, in changing that circumstance. You know, so instead of, you know, the world is against me or this is, this is happening to me because of you. And instead of recognizing what you can do to change it. So it's taking ownership of the situation and, and, and truly, truly choosing, uh, you know, the responsible way of taking your life back and, you know, for me, it was about, there, there were a few different things, but you know, for me, one of it was about forgiveness and it wasn't so much forgiving others as much as it was forgiving myself 
because as soon as I was able to forgive myself, um, even around, you know, the situation about, um, you know, with the abuse from my father, like I was able to forgive him, but it was more for me. And so once I was able to reach that level of forgiveness and recognize how I could have made different choices, and even certainly in, in the situations of the abusive relationships, you know, there were so many other choices I could have made, but I chose to stay stuck in that mentality of, I'm never going to be able to get out of this because, and, and this is your fault. So once I recognized how I could make the change myself and take my power back and be responsible, then it, it changed everything for me. That's great. And because, you know, like you mentioned, getting out of that mindset is the hardest and you're doing amazing things and you're not only are you living your best life, but you're also helping other women do that as well and I think that takes a lot and that's incredible and I had an amazing time talking to you and I'm pretty sure everybody listening would be inspired to go make that move that makes them happy and to get off any any of the situation that makes them unhappy and hurts them in any way because at the end of the day our life is quite short and it's very important to make the decisions and make the moves that will bring us happiness. And before we end this, do you have anything to add? Um, you know, the only thing I really want to add about that, you know, as far as the, the, the key to gaining confidence again, um, you know, in your decisions and your beliefs and the abilities is that, um, you know, th there's, there's elements that will help you get through that. You know, you need to be able to trust and trust that you're going to make the right decision to figure, figure things out, you know, and when you're able to gain self-respect and, um, and acceptance, you know, accept yourself for where you are without feeling the need, um, to, to meet others' expectations, because really this is about you. Know that you are worthy of success, despite whatever your flaws are, despite whatever circumstances you have endured, um, you know? And the, the last thing I wanna add is, is to have compassion. Um, you know, be patient with yourself and your situation. And even when themes, things seem to feel like they're taking forever, you know, just treat yourself with kind thoughts and encouragement and just give yourself some grace. Thank you for that. And if people would like to find you or get in contact with you or any social medias or works that you have. So as I told you, I work remotely while I, I travel and what I do is I have been designing books for many years. I'm a former book publisher. Um, so what I do now is I design books and I coach authors on how to produce a book and how to market their book. 
So I do that remotely and it makes things really easy when I have a laptop and internet and I can be anywhere in the world. Sure, I am. I have a Facebook group. Um, it, it, it's mostly about the, the, the traveling journey that I have. Um, it's, it's heart work travels and I have both a Facebook group and um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, that way is, um, it's, it's also heart work travels. So I share, I share stories and, and photographs of my journey. And then from a business standpoint, um, my Instagram is heartwork creative. Great. That's awesome. And thank you so much, Rhonda, for joining me today. I definitely had an incredible time talking to you and it's been amazing. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing your stories as well as inspiring and helping others. That's incredible. And you have, you have an amazing personality and you're an amazing person. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I will see you all next week.